AnteUp is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But AnteUp is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. AnteUp, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It is June 22nd, 2018, and you're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Um, you know, I know what you're about to say, and no, what I'm going to say after say- that... Is Let a little me weird. say it first, because <laughs> this is such a special day in our relationship, all right? So, See, you made it worse, because uh, when I say what I'm going to say, it's going to make it even worse, because <laughs> people are going to be like, "Who? which one is he? All right, so go ahead. You go first. But, uh, you know, last week, we uh, we were celebrating the 13th anniversary of this show, which is amazing, um, and then on Sunday, we celebrate the 10th anniversary of the company. And I was just floored a couple of days ago because I, I just I, I don't even know how to repay you for this. Your anniversary gift to the company is a brand new car. <laughs> yeah, and your anniversary gift back to me is we have no money. Take it back. Uh, well, no, I, I got an EpiPen, an extra EpiPen that I put in the glove box. Apparently, you're not supposed to do that, so I'm not going to Well, the funny thing is, is that the day we're recording well, – the day we post the show or whatever the date we use the 22nd that's my wedding anniversary so i've been married 22 years and wow. then you and i've been married for 10 <laughs> so i thought that's kind of <laughs> weird we're celebrating all these anniversaries and i'm like the anti update is gonna be like well which one is he you know more happy about the 10 year of the show or the 22 year with the wife and uh, we should mention that we are registered at bed bath and beyond so <laughs> we'd like to get us some new 300 red count fitted sheets please i'm um crossing my fingers for the his and his towel set so please get me those red velvet crushed velvet uh but all seriousness uh what, what a milestone so very very appreciative of everybody that's helped us get here we certainly didn't do it on our own because we yeah. can't even pronounce names on our own that's, so that's that's right. we're gonna fumble a bunch in a few minutes so <laughs> but yeah 10 years buddy uh wouldn't have done it with anyone else so glad we're uh we're still not killing each other which is very interesting and even funnier is yesterday you uh, you posted a photo of the Annie Up Ale that uh, I believe is Aquaman. Yeah, Aquaman. Uh, yep. Uh, brewed for us years ago, and I have it still on my desk as well too. So <laughs> and and here is here is the one hundred percent difference between me and you. Mine is still sealed. Yours was drunk. <laughs> I'm completely empty. Yes, <laughs> you drank yours. I kept mine in pristine because I'm a teetotaler <laughs> and you're a slush. So between the two of us, <laughs> Your, yours will be worth a lot more in the future. So yeah. So uh, but yeah, and, and then you so good at the time. You had a, a brew named after you, man. I tell you, not named after me, just brewed in honor. So brewed in honor of you. It's named it, after me. That's the next rung on the ladder. But uh, what is the name of the drink? Uh, I'm about to lose my rind. It's a watermelon Florida Vice. Um, Florida Weiss, sorry. Um, 
which is like a uh, kind of a burliner. It's actually very, very good, very smooth, and um, it's got the a taste of a watermelon without being overpowering, like sometimes those beers that have fruit are. Yeah. Um, and it, it's in honor of this uh, Guinness World Record that we're going to set here in Safety Harbor on July 1st, where we have the uh, most participants in a watermelon eating contest. So it was really cool, and then they're going to give samples out for donations for charity, so it's all good. Pretty cool stuff. See, I would have to beg to differ. I think it still is named after you. <laughs> <laughs> Because I really think you are about to lose your rind. Well, oh, no, I, I have lost my mind. I've completely done that. I wish I could lose my rind because uh, I cannot fit into half my clothes right now. So. Oh, I know. I, that's why I keep putting on Facebook. I'm like, please, someone do a you know lost weight loss bet with this guy again. He's gonna explode. <laughs> All right. How about we talk about? Yeah. Enough about us. Enough about us. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, here's our World Series update for this uh, week. Johnny John Johnny World Hennigan won event number twenty seven, the ten thousand dollar horse event. That was his fifth career bracelet. Ryan Bambrick scored his fourth cash of the series when he won event number thirty, the fifteen hundred dollar pot limit Omaha event. Uh, he took a leave of absence from his job as a day trader to play a full WSOP schedule this year. Seems like it's a good decision so far. Matthew Davis won event number thirty two, the one thousand dollar seniors event that attracted a record breaking field of five thousand nine hundred and eighteen old guys like us. Um, that's more than 500 players, more than last year's record-setting field. Uh, oh, and our friend Marty Gornick made a final two tables. I didn't see that, so I'm glad you added that. Yeah, awesome. he made like uh, 23 grand or something like that. Nice job. He was actually like sitting in like eighth or ninth for a while when it got right down to it, and I'm like, he might make the final table and win this thing. And then last last thing I checked, it was like, ah, final two tables. So he did well, though. That's awesome. Excellent. Uh, Michael Mizraki won event number 33, the $50,000 Players Championship for the third time. He's the only player to have won the event that often. And Yuiji Zhu. Yuiji? No G in there, it's a Q. <laughs> okay, Yuiji Zhu won event number 35, the $1,500 Mixed Games. It was his first World Series of Poker win in 72 career caches over two decades. That's got to be a good day, doesn't That's it? That's some serious persistence there. Wow. That's a long time coming for that win. You know, it usually made me think of uh, Tony Cousineau, a really uh, yeah. cool Florida that we met years ago, and who, I, at the time, I think he might, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I thought he had the record for the most caches he did. without a win or something like that. Yeah, uh, he, he still. I think he probably still does. He probably has more than 72 now. Yeah, and uh, you know, he just had a style that allowed him to cash quite often, and critics will say his style allowed him to cash quite often but never win. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but man, to, to, to get that many caches and that, never get the bracelet—that's that's going to be a good day for our new friend, Mister Zoo. <laughs> yeah, you, you think a guy who goes two decades without winning a bracelet when he finally does that, you'd get his name right? You know, <laughs> give him some respect. I, I don't think they put the per, uh, uh, pronunciation guides on UG. This story, you so. call them UG or something. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, a couple of things about this—you can't One, prove that it was wrong. <laughs> these results are. are really some of the best stories that come out of this thing. I mean, it's crazy. Guy leaving his job to play the schedule. Our friend of ours does it. And a world, look at the size of that field in a senior event. Mizraki. I mean, how crazy is that? To win that event three times. It doesn't have to be that event, because I don't think anybody's won it twice other than him. I'm not sure. But to win it three times, and he went a long time without winning a bracelet, if you remember correctly. When he was our player of the year, that was the year he broke out, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, yeah. That's unbelievable. He's got like what four or five bracelets, something like that, too. Now it's crazy. Three times the fifty k. Oh, yeah, remarkable. Now critics will say that the field is small there, so it's a little easier to win a third time. 
Uh, but folks like me will say you're playing against the best players in the world in that. And I don't care whether you're playing against nine or 200 or 5,000 when you're playing against the best player and you win it three times. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I don't really I, critics are wrong. <laughs> Whatever critics are saying, <laughs> yo, yo, I don't care how limited the field is. This is the best playing field in the world playing all the games. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. And to win it three times, you know, even, you could try it. You could be the best at anything. It's tough to win it three times, no matter what the sport is or what the field is. Absolutely, yeah. You know, you got this guy with the U.S. Open in golf. You know, he won it back-to-back, and that's only happened a handful of times. I guarantee you the guy doesn't win it again next year. I guarantee you. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just crazy. So I'm really happy for, for the grinder, even though he kind of stiffed us on the uh, wearing, wearing the patch at the main event final table thing. But, you know, hey, I love him. And uh, happy for Marty, too. He was one of our cruise passengers a couple of times. He came on our cruise. He came on the Alaska oh, one yeah, and the transatlantic he, one. He plays uh, several events at our, Annie, um, our Thunder Valley events. When yep, he's out and there. I'm, I think he – I mean, I've seen photos of – we have fo- we've run photos of him at our events, and I'm not sure if he – did he win one of our undercard events before? I think he might have. Yes, definitely. He, yeah. He, oh, well, I, I shouldn't say definitely. I, I, I'd be surprised that he hasn't. Yeah, In my mind, sure. I know he has. I'm but, pretty sure uh, he has. So, I mean, he he's a decent player, man. He He – he comes prepared when he plays. So he was fun to play with too when we played cash games, even though it was all those days on the ship, you know. But yeah. <clears throat> he was fun to play with, and uh, he had a nice friend Frankie with him, and uh, she was cool, and she was still learning and stuff. But anyway, it was just nice to see one of our friends go pretty deep in this. Um, and uh, what what uh, triggered it for me was our good friend. Um, what was I thinking? What was, what was my train of thought here? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know if people come on a completely different track. Than well, you I don't know if people want to. I just call him Chicago Jason, right? I don't want people want to hear names on here, but Chicago Jason was following somebody that was a friend of his in the senior event, and I'm yeah, like, okay. oh, so I was watching his posts, and I said, oh, wow, how do I know this guy, or do I know this guy? So I looked up the results at the time, and that's how I saw Marty in the field. Yeah. So, yeah. but I don't want to say people's names on here; they don't want to have their names on the show. So I just said Chicago <laughs> Jason. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm so sure very Luigi cool. Sue would rather not have his name on the show. Too, <laughs> that's but, why you called him that, but, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good. His anonymity, that's a good recap right there. That was that was a good week of poker right there. I thought not bad at all. So, all right, Florida artist uh, Mateo Blanco recently sold to a South Florida poker player a fifty-five pound, three-foot high sculpture of a king made from thousands of cards and poker chips. The Cool Million is the latest work from the artist, who has also sculpted Queen of Hearts, a likeness of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, the second, made from four thousand cards and dice. That is on display at Disney Springs near Orlando. Still not uh, enough to get me to go to Disney, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, really fascinating to see these things. So, I'm kind of kind of confused, and I have some other things to say about this. One, uh, okay, so how much did it sell for that it made news? I, I, I want to know. You know, yeah, the press release didn't say. Yeah, so. what's the point of telling us this unless we, like, it's some of remark? I mean, people make art all the time, so. Why did this guy, you know, get in the news all of a sudden? I want to know how much they paid for this. And two, it sounds like you could be the person who bought this sculpture, and I'm going to show up at the house. Because this is the kind of stuff you go for. Except the head of the king would have to bob, I would think. If the head bobs back and forth, you know, then I think for sure it's in the office at Antioch headquarters. Uh, uh, no, it is not out of the realm of possibility that I w- could have put a bid in on that, other than the fact that I don't have the money for it. Other than that, but... Uh, no, I, I actually, uh, all seriousness, I, I do love art. I think art is really interesting. You know, it's always um, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So, you know, not every piece of art is beautiful to everyone. But 
Um, but I also like, uh, you know, and I've spent like the last 10 years working with artists here and, and civic groups and, um, because I know nothing about art, you know, I took one class in college. <laughs> that was right, it. Right. Right. Um, um, but it, it, I always find it interesting how creative they can be, not just in the final work, but the materials they choose to work with and how they could take everyday items like this and turn them into some kind of life thing. I mean, I'm sure there are people that think these things look cheesy or not, but you know, again, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but I don't think you can um, knock the creativity in using cards and poker chips or cards and dice to uh, to make a three foot tall stature of a person. That's I mean that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was cool. Um, I'm sure Disney's beautiful enough to some people lure them to go there. Unlike you, <laughs> if, if you think this this sculpture is tacky, uh, then there's you can't say it shouldn't be at Disney because everything about Disney is tacky. <laughs> Oh man, you're I I I can't stand Disney, so I don't care. No, but you're, you're really hitting some people hard there. They're never sponsoring not, our show. I did not get the Disney gene when I was a kid. I am sorry, folks. You know, you can go there. I'm not telling you not to go there, but I, I do not get it. I do not. I just don't get it. So you, you must have cringed when I put the uh, chips that looked like Mickey Mouse on the cover all those years ago. Yes, <laughs> I, I did. It was like you know how some people are scared of clowns. I'm yeah, scared of the clowns. A- you know, <laughs> still one of our best covers ever, though. I don't care what you say. Hey, any updates? We have four upcoming Annie Up Poker Tour stops with four opportunities to play your way onto the cover of Annie Up Magazine. Here's where we're going next. Annie Up World Championship and Annie Up NorCal Classic at Thunder Valley Casino Resort in Lincoln, California, July 7th to the 29th. Annie Up Poker Tour at Atlantis Casino Resort Spa in Reno, Nevada, August 16th to the 26th. Deep Stack Series at the Venetian Las Vegas, September 3rd to the 23rd. And Pearl River Poker Open at Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi, October 25th to November 4th. This has got to be the finest schedule that we've had going back all back. the way back to the beginning. And they're all right successful, right in a row like that, month by month, month by month. It's, it's really encouraging and exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I love going into Thunder Valley. I just keep raving about that. So looking forward to a couple weeks that I'll be there. And uh, Reno is just such a cool city. And so I'm so glad that we have a partner there. And the partner that we have is Atlantis. The the staff there is just, they love us and we love them. And that's what I always like. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course, we've been at Pearl River so, so many times that uh, people there have got to know us really well. And um, and we'll see what the Venetian event's like, too. It's nice to have an event back in uh, Las Vegas after all these years. Absolutely. Oh, we just announced our 2019 Annie Up Poker Cruise schedule, which includes a 16-night Panama Canal crossing, an eight-night Southern Caribbean adventure, and two shorter weekend cruises. Don't forget our upcoming Tampa sailing, uh, October 29th to Mexico and Key West. Passengers on all sailings get a one-month membership to advanced poker training and a quick reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. For more information, visit com. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com. and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, specializing in poker odds and math at poker911.net. Rob Paul Chapman, via the Annie Up Fans Facebook page. Don't forget to go there and join that. <clears throat> he says, sort of a strategy question for those who are fans of sport in general as well as poker. I'm meant to be playing in a tournament tonight, but it's England's opening game of the World Cup. Sorry to rub it in, American friends. 
It's all right. I'm on Team Iceland. I'm fine. Yeah, I I don't care. I I don't know. Is the World Cup even running right now? I don't even know. Is it on? Who cares? Ouch. Ouch. Sorry. Shut your trap, sir. So the buy-in is uh, a little squiggly L-like thing with a 30 next to it. So I'm assuming that's 30 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to totally diss England. This is European Union anymore. So (laughs) I'm just totally dissing England right here. Um. But you can rebuy twice in the first two levels. However, you can pre-add your rebuys at any point up until uh, the end of dinner break after level two. You cannot late registrate uh, until after the dinner break. So dinner break is 30 minutes. The game starts at 7 p.m., as does the match. It's the World Cup, so I really don't want to miss the game. So my strategy is this. Register before the game, but don't buy in. Watch the first half in the pub. Come back at halftime and buy in, which should give me about 10 to 15 minutes of play to size up the table. Then go watch the second half, be blinded out for the first 15 minutes of the third level, come back and play once the game's finished. The first two levels don't massively affect play, but the third level onward moves through the gears pretty quickly. The first two are half-hour levels, the third and onward are 15 minutes. Assuming the above works, does this sound sensible? And if so, is it only really worth doing if I do a max 3x buy-in at dinner? It's a bit of a handicap, but I think I have a decent edge in this game, and it's very top-end heavy in terms of the payouts. Last time they paid out five places from 42 buy-ins, and first place was twice second place money. Any thoughts? The alternative is that I watch the game on silent for the second half, or all of it, but that does feel a bit like missing out any suggestions as to why you'd all or why you'd all do i think you say what you'd all do yeah so all right so uh, again this is on the any of facebook fans page it was just a couple days ago so i grabbed it moved to the top just because the world cup's going on now so you know i don't want to talk about the world cup <clears throat> is that football from now right soccer how do you what do you do you call it it's both it's both yes oh jeez. <laughs> actually it's football football do you call it football now. uh it depends you know who, who you're talking with. to yeah that's what i figures <laughs> Uh, but so uh, it was on Facebook, so you can make a comment. My first comment was a picture of a birthday cake, and I asked Rob Paul, "Do you want this? Or do you want to eat this? Or do you want to have this?" <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but then, no, but then I said seriously. Uh, uh, every time I've tried to do this uh, with, with whatever it is, something else going on besides poker, uh, I cannot remember a time that I actually cashed and that I enjoyed the other activity that I was trying to do around poker. Huh. It was lose lose every single time. Oh, so am I supposed to say something here? <laughs> I guess you don't have to. Well, the thing that I'm concerned about is tournaments are all the time, unless he already paid for it, and I don't see in this letter that he did. Did he? Uh, he said, uh, part of his strategy was registered before, but not by in. So. Yeah, so he didn't have to play in this tournament. So, you know, the World Cup is every what four years? Every right? four years, kind of like the Olympics. Well, at least uh, until all the soccer players die of extreme heat at Qatar in four years. <laughs> there's always a chance that England is going to go deep, and there's always, I know excited they are about this once every four year occurrence. I think you can put the tournament off for a week and watch your team play in the World Cup and enjoy it, <laughs> and then go play in the tournament uh, the next day. You know, there's always tournaments, so I don't know. I, I it'd be one thing if you already pay for the tournament, you had to play a tournament and find a strategy. If he did that, then it sounded like what he did was pretty cool. Uh, a good way of trying to do it. Um, he thought effectively about it. 
I liked how he only needs 15 minutes the size of a table, though. That's that's remarkable. <laughs> yeah, he's a very good player. Right? They do like five hands in 15 minutes, but you you figured out all 10 people. I don't know how you rate people. I don't know how you did it. Um, but uh, yeah, if he didn't already buy in, man, just screw the tournament. Go watch your 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 team on the pitch. And yeah, uh, the the level of thought that he put into this plan is commendable. <laughs> it is like super detailed, but. Uh, yeah, I just don't know how uh, how you can enjoy both, um, yeah. and, or enjoy either one. To be honest, when you are worried about something else, so uh, you know this is kind of difficult in in terms of poker in general. Um, and I think this is why some people actually prefer cash games because cash games you can go to whenever and you can leave whenever, right? Yeah. Uh, tournament. Once you're in a tournament, you are locked into that thing until you get knocked out. So it's and it's very unpredictable. I mean, you can kind of generally know how long a tournament will last. If you make it to the end, but you don't know whether you will or not. So um, it causes these kind of stresses, but, you know, I think uh, the stress is really all on you. You know, you need to decide <clears throat> both, and this is what's going to have to happen. But you're creating that stress. So, um, yeah. you know, yeah, this I is really think, uh, I think Rob so. Paul, how, stress, uh, how, how well he deals with stress. I yes, this is self-inflicted stress <laughs> over two things that you really – they're supposed to relieve stress. Right, Playing right. poker is supposed to be entertainment, enjoying yourself, watching soccer is supposed to be a way. And instead, you're giving yourself all the fits for nothing. So to me, I would say watch England, and then when it's over, go play a tournament. Or play cash games or whatever, and then go play a tournament the next time it comes around or whatever. So, But very interesting. Yep. And uh, the update, uh, the result was England won. Yay. Oh, and- spoiler alert. What the hell? Uh- well, did you have that on your DVR? Yes. I was going to watch the whole thing from beginning to end to see who won the whole damn thing. All 46 minutes? Uh, <laughs> is that how long it was? I don't, I, I don't know. If you answer, uh, your answer will determine how much of a football fan you really are. <laughs> well, there might be overage time. It's a uh, test question. <laughs> there might be injury time and all that. So. Oh, injury time. Look at you throwing around the terms. Yeah, like that's it. right. That's right. I'm, yeah, uh, I'm really also very, very aware that the, the best strikers in the world try to wear number 10, and I, I I covered soccer for a while. I know what I'm doing. But I'm just saying, I'm not like you, you know, this person who all of a sudden latches on to Iceland because they tied Argentina or something. Uh, no, I, I latched on to Iceland a couple of years ago when they became um, the darlings of the world. Yeah, that's right. I remember. Okay. Phenomenal match against uh, Messi. Was England's win like one nil, or was it? Uh, more uh, actually, I, yeah, I don't know. He didn't say. He just oh, won. okay. So but, you're not but, even paying right, attention. So they won, and he bubbled the tournament, so he did not take anybody's advice because everybody's advice on Facebook was pick one or the other. Yeah. And he said, "Damn the torpedoes!" And he got torpedoed. Um, well, he bubbled the tournament, though. That's still kind of impressive when you think about it. You know, if he missed all that time and everything. Getting money back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcastinanyatmagazine.com and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo director of poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled, but only if we need him. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. A lot of times we're not needing him recently. Uh, we're too He's smart a busy guy. We're not going to bug him for things that we can figure out on our own. He is. This comes from Jonathan Ottenbacher, which I love that name. To me, the first name there, it's like, okay, it's John, it's Donovan, it's Jonathan. So they're doing that a lot. Like, like could could you be like Scottifer and I could be Christovan? <laughs> like, do they mix different names now a lot? Like, hey, I'm Christovan Casenza and you're Scottifer Long, you know? 
Like, like, oh, it was that Friends episode when they said, what, what's Ross short for when they're at the hospital filling out the emergency stuff? And he's like, it's Ross. And he's like, oh, it's not short for, like, Rostifer, you know? I mean, that's what I'm saying. You could, These names, Jonathan, that's a cool name right there. All right, so it says, when it gets to showdown, my wife has a habit of tabling her cards. Uh, in other words, placing them both face up on the table and letting go of them. And then, after all the other players still in the hand have tabled their cards, flipping her cards face down and throwing them to the dealer once she realizes she lost the hand. However, sometimes she does this out of habit, even when she knows she's won. She recognizes it can cause confusion, but when I mention she should try to break the habit, she mentions I should try to break the habit of not cleaning the garage. So I shut up. (laughs) In a recent 1-2 cash game at a local casino... Another player said she should be careful because her hand could be declared dead and she could lose a pot after doing it. Everyone, including the dealer, had seen her cards and the cards uh, of every player remaining in the hand and knew she had won. But the dealer had not yet declared her hand the winner nor pushed the pot to her. If someone did call the floor on her, would the floor rule uh, her hand dead? Can you accidentally fold after tabling a hand or is a hand, once tabled, permanently tabled regardless of what happens to the cards afterward? I love that term, permanently tabled. Yeah, that's <laughs> like cool. nailed to it. Those two cards are not coming back in the next day. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'll, I'll just go, like I said, we didn't bother Elliot. We'll just read the uh, poker TDA rule here, and it's uh, table thir- uh, rule number 13, tabling cards and killing winning hand. A, proper tabling is both, one, turning all cards face up on the table, and two, allowing the dealer and players to read the hand clearly. All cards means both hold cards and hold them, all four hold cards in Omaha, all seven cards and seven stud, etc. B, at showdown, players must protect their hands while waiting for the cards to be read. See also rule 65. Uh, players who don't fully table all cards, then muck thinking they've won, do so at their own risk. If a hand is not 100% retrievable and identifi- identifiable, and the TD rules it was not clearly read, the player has no claim to the pot. The TD's decision on whether a hand was sufficiently tabled is final. C, dealers cannot kill a properly tabled hand. That was obviously the winner. Okay, so what we're saying here is that when she puts the hand over and the whole world recognizes that oh, she's got a ace high flush, and then she folds him, there's nothing they can do. They can't say she can't win now because we all saw his ace high flush, and they can go to the camera, the eye in the sky if they had to, to prove what she had and that she tabled it and then it was acknowledged or whatever. So in any case... As long as it's 100% retrievable, which sounds like it is. But Yeah, I, it's just it just sucks. Uh, well. And here's probably, I'm going to guess, being married as long as I am. This is what Jonathan was trying to get at. He uh, doesn't want the wife to yell at him for telling her that she needs to not do this, right? Right. So he he wants us to be the heavy. <laughs> right. Don't do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what I told him is, first of all, uh, is it really hard to clean the garage? Why don't you throw her a bone here? <laughs> get rid of some of that junk, right? Um, but in reality, yes, she, this is a bad habit that needs to be fixed, and she's not the only one that has bad habits at the table. We all do. Um, so I always find it interesting when people have bad habits that they, instead of just saying, I need to quit doing it, they look for, well, if I do it, <laughs> what's the rule on it, right? Um, so, you know, happy to, to share the rule here, but really the best solution to this is just not to do it, and then you don't have to worry what the rules are, right? So, easier said than done, I know, but... I do want to interject here for a second, and you mentioned something about whether or not they're retrievable. But what I said was, if she already tabled her cards, and it was properly tabled, as according to Part C of this, 
if it was properly tabled, and then even when it was earlier in Part B where it says identifiable. So if they've already identified she has the ace high flush and the obvious winner, and then she mucks her cards, they cannot not give her the pot. They have to give her the pot, right? It doesn't necessarily say that. Um, It says players who don't fully table all cards then muck thinking they want to do so at their own risk. Um, and the TD rules is not clearly read. So, you know, it, it, the the perception in, in what she said and what you said is that everybody clearly read it. But if you're not convinced of that, I mean, how can you be convinced of that unless everybody says, shouts out your cards, right? So there's just so much gray area, I think, in here that the, again, the best solution to this problem is to not do it and then you don't have to worry about it. No, I agree. I agree. It's just that if the dealer looks at your hand tabled, says, okay, we got the ace high flush here, and he's pointing to it. Then he looks around the table, and everybody doesn't have a hand that beats it, and then she takes her cards and folds them, and then the guy who has a hand that's still exposed says, wait, 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 where's the winning hand? I still have a hand that's showing two pair. There's no way the guy gets the pot when the dealer already acknowledged the ace high flush is over here, and it was clearly identifiable in part B, so that hand can't be killed, the obvious winner. So if she, uh, her, her hand gets called out I as the winner. I agree. Right? In those scenarios, um, 99% of the time, the dealer and or the floor will agree with you. But okay. there is that 1% time, yeah, yeah. and they are not committed to it. So, again, so, yeah. So, I mean, but but here's the thing is, is by saying, yeah, most of the time uh, or almost all the time, you're going to be all right, that just reinforces the bad behavior, right? Yeah. It, yeah. So I would rather not go that far down. In a discussion, let's just uh, let, let's get Jonathan's help clean that garage, and then <laughs> you know maybe she'll be appreciative that she doesn't have to jump walk through her his clutter anymore and say you know what I, I'm going to leave my cards face up and let the dealer take it. Yeah, Jonathan, feel free to just uh, hit the stop button once I said don't do it, and then just just <laughs> cut the show off right there and say see honey, and then move on. <laughs> Listen to the show in private later. Hey, you know what? We get to complete O'Malley's move today. Always a good thing. Let's refresh our memories. Here comes part one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week, we are seated at a $1, $2, no limit hold'em casino cash game. We haven't been playing too long yet, only about an hour, and the biggest stack at the table is two to our right. We bought in for two fifty and currently hover right around there. The blinds post, it's folded to the big stack who limbs from middle position. This player sits with around nine hundred. We have never played with him before, however, the friend we came with has given us some insight on this player through his experience. He's told us the guy is pretty solid but does bluff, and when he does, he can be tricky. It's folded to us, and we look down in late position at the ace of spades, ace of hearts. We've tried to build a tight image, even though it's early in the night. We make it $12 to go. Our standard raise from late position is 10 but since there's a limper, we bump it up a bit. However, I'm not sure we have played enough hands for the table to realize this is our standard. The big stack calls, and with about $25 in the pot, we go to the flop heads up and see the queen of diamonds... Ten of diamonds, seven of diamonds. Not a great flop, but after the big stack checks, we bet $16. The big stack thinks for a short time and calls. There is now about $55 in the pot, max rake taken, and the turn is the queen of hearts. 
It's an interesting card. And after our opponent checks, we bet again. We make it $40 to go. Our opponent calls. There's 135 in the pot, and the river is the queen of spades. Our opponent quickly counts out $50 and puts it into the pot. We have about 180 left. Are we calling here? Raising? Is there a case to fold? What's the move? Only one hand beats us, so my inclination is to raise. My concern is his smallish bet on the river, which seems like he's begging for a call. And if he wants a call, he would love a raise. Um, it's entirely possible that he has a pocket pair, too, and we have uh, the hand one. So that kind of tames my fears a little bit. So I'm going to go ahead and be bold and raise to $100. Uh, I'm going to say call, and that's all. Uh, here's the deal. If you have him beat, he won't call a raise. And if you don't have him beat, you lose that money you put in the middle. So I'm thinking call and be happy with the win or call and be happy you didn't lose more. So I'm calling. Here we go. Part two. Hello again. I believe I did not make the best move on this hand. However, I feel as though I made the second best move. I called. I think folding is the worst option here. Even though $50 seems like a value bet, I just don't feel like our opponent has a queen. And if he does, meh, nice hand. We have the second nuts here. I think a raise would have been the best option because I think there are hands that will pay us off to see what we have. Any pairs, jacks through fives, 10x, possibly 7x hands, we might even be able to get a random ace to call. But we only called, and we realized that's all we were going to get anyway. Our opponent table's a bluff. Eight of diamonds, six of hearts. So we did have a decent draw on the flop, a low flush and an inside straight draw. But he probably wasn't calling a raise. We take in the pot. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, strive for the best available option. We may not have made any more here, but we might in the future. I hope to see you on the felt. Uh, I agree with Scott, or, um, I mean, O'Malley. I <laughs> uh, really like the raise there. Uh, you know, in this case, we weren't getting another dollar out of our opponent because of what he had, but there are a good number of hands that we would have gotten some money out of. Um, and again, I go back to what we said before, you know, any pocket pair there is going to call uh, that raise, I think. Almost any pocket pair. <laughs> okay, maybe, I don't know. But it, it almost feels like I'm O'Malley these days. It seems like every other, I don't know. <laughs> I said, uh, got a call, got a win. That's all I care about. Winning that hand, and uh, I know you want to maximize, but I, I don't know. That raise scares me there. So I'm glad we just called and took down. We did. So Very yeah, good. it's interesting that O'Malley is turning me into a more aggressive player. You know, I used to be a conservative kitty at the yeah. table, but yeah. now I'm like, I, I, I feel like most weeks I'm, I'm the one on the raise train. Huh. Interesting. I wonder if it'll actually uh, translate into you doing that in a game. Probably not. No, yeah, of probably not. not. No. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, the World Cup's on, so I'm not going to play. So. <laughs> so you're one of those people that you can you can like you could be an actor, like you can go on TV and like cry and stuff. But then when you get up, those actual moments happen to you in real life. You don't cry. <laughs> That's you. That's you right there. <laughs> Everything I learned about acting, I learned from Joey Tribbiani. So <laughs> you got to have a hole in your pocket with some tweezers and pull hairs out of your legs to make yourself cry. <laughs> That's what he does. All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site, and also owned by a proud Tesla fan. Yes. yes. saw him uh, at the concert this week, and it was good to see that the 
first build act had so much fan, so many fans. And that you couldn't even get there on time for. <laughs> I tried, I tried. <laughs> Can't believe the no bag line was longer than the bag line. <laughs> what alternate universe are we living in? I know, now? how is that possible? <laughs> All right, this week comes from Justin Mastrandea. Uh, that was close. You didn't get it right, yeah. but that was close. He's yeah. only been, you know, sending stuff to the show for like a decade. <laughs> yeah, like literally 13 years probably, maybe, right? <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. He says, uh, it's, uh, he said, this hand, uh, my, me and my wife are on our mini moon at Foxwood. So, uh, see, Jonathan, uh, Justin cleaned the garage. And now they got to go on a mini moon to Foxwoods where he got to tell his wife not to muck her cards. <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, he said, I've been able to play a little 2-5 uh, No Limit on our first day at the casino and then was able to get another session uh, when the wife went to play bingo for a few hours. I'd been sitting at the table for just over an hour and quickly realized that several of the players there were trying to hit the high hand for the half hour, which was $500. I should have realized this would probably affect certain people's uh, styles, but at the time I didn't give it a second thought. Uh, I had bought in for 400 and sat with squeakly 525 when this happened. I was sitting in the hijack. Uh, under the gun calls to five. Under the gun two calls as well, and it's folded to me with the ace of spades, jack of spades. All right, I've played in that 2-5 game at Foxwoods, and I'm looking at my crystal ball here, and I think you're going to lose this hand, so fold. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fold because... I, I do like how you mixed it up instead of just saying fold right away and then explain. Yeah, yeah, because the hand of the week, almost always we lose. But the only person who wins is Vic when he sends in a hand of the week. So I'm going to say fold the ace jack uh, because you're going to lose. But if you obviously uh, don't believe in psychics, as uh, I don't either, um, I'm probably going to raise because we're in the cutoff. We want to make sure we don't let the blind see it for basically nothing. We don't want the, the button to say, hey, I'll have position on this hand for five bucks, and I could steal it or whatever. So you're going to want to take that position and take control of this hand. It's a decent enough hand, um, especially since nobody's raised. If somebody had raised under the gun or something, and then you had another caller, unless you're confident that the, uh, the under the gun guy was something that you know was just fooling around or not inclined to use big cards, you might squeeze a little. But in this case, I think you just make a, a pretty. I don't know when I go when I play the two, the two five game. Um, when people raise, they usually make it like twenty twenty five to go. So if I have two limpers, I might make it like thirty five or so or forty, depending on the game I'm playing in. You know, it just depends uh, because you got a couple of limpers in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to get I really want to get heads up with someone here and not not the button. Obviously, I want to just be last to act. I've Got a decent hand. I want to make them pay. Uh, and if I just happen to take it down for the, what, 17 that's in the pot now, probably, I'll be happy with that and move on. But it's a it's a good hand. It's not a great hand. Um, where you are, given what's happened up till now, it's probably a pretty strong hand. And considering what you have behind you, it's probably a pretty strong hand. So, I don't know. I, like I said, maybe 35 or so. It depends. Like, when you play in a 1-2 or a 1-3 game, guys are raising for 10 and 15. And it doesn't even have to have limpers. So when I played in that 2-5 game up there, people were making in a minimum, a minimum 20 or 25, depending on what time of day it was. So to me, if you got two callers of $5 there and you got blinds behind you and stuff, I, I, I have no problem making it like 35 or so here. 
All right, so I, I knew the dream couldn't last, where last week we were in sync all the way through the end, not just you and I, but the, the hand of the week submitter, right? Yeah, yeah. And here we've already split, right right from the beginning. You're so, going to limp. Uh, yeah, I'm going to limp here. here. Here's a couple of reasons why. Uh, one, uh, I think the fans are aware that I um, uh, the biggest leak in my game was playing ace-queen or anything less than ace, uh, ace-king, um, especially out of position, and we're kind of you know, in mid position here, but, um, so this clearly qualifies as one of those hands. Now, because it's uh, suited though, I kind of look at this as like a pocket pair. This is a set mining kind of thing, or in this case, a flush, uh, or straight mining hand. And we've got a couple limpers already. Um, you know, I, 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 I think at this point, I, I to me it's worth the five bucks to see what the flop looks like, and then then I can get excited. Now, I will not criticize anybody like you that wants to raise here and get heads up. That's a good play as well too, particularly because it hasn't been raised yet. We'd be the first raise, um, so I certainly don't mind that. But I just think uh, with what I know so far about this hand, I like to limp and and see uh, disguise my hand a little bit, and if we get a good flop, then. Uh, Maybe I can get some money out of it from people that don't think I have as good of a hand as I do. So you're treating ace-jack here sort of like ace-five suited in that you can make a wheel and you can make the nut flush with it. Correct, yes. Um, and you're not thinking it's powerful enough that the kicker is going to give you problems. But since you have, See, that's my thing. is I don't want to limp and give the cutoff and the, and the button a chance to also limp or whatever or to steal it and squeeze it, make it some ridiculous amount like 50 to go you know, or 60 to go or some weird number. And then it folds all around to us, and now I've, you know, okay, I lost five bucks. But I just feel like, you know, you, you need to control hands when you're that late in position. And I don't know. I, but I see what you're doing. I I, I don't totally I don't know if we're really that limp, late in position. We're under the gun plus three. So. We're the hijack, so we're just two oh, off the button. Yeah, yeah, hijack okay. is two off the button. If you raise, right. you're going to get two guys to fold. You are the button, so... I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I, yeah, I, I read over that by accident. So, okay. yeah, that might change my mind a little bit. I mean, I, so I get it. I, I could go either way. So, you know, anything but a fold. A fold folds too weak. But. It's just hilarious to me that five seconds ago you're like, hey, O'Malley's making me aggressive. And then you're like, I'm limping with Ace Jack and the Guy Jack. Well, but I don't think there's a lack of aggression. I think, you know, I'm looking at this hand and how, how's the best way of getting value out of this hand? And I think the best way out of value is to get as many people in this hand. We already have two, and we've got people behind us. And then, you know, if we we hit a powerful hand with it, then, then we have a better chance of getting them. Whereas raising to get heads up is a better way of winning the pot, but not getting as much money, in my mind, with this hand. So do you you want to win more money, uh, more money. Every once in a while, or you want to win a lot of pots that equal the same amount of money? I don't I don't know. It's a good question, I guess. I, I don't mind. I don't mind the uh, the hail mary bomb to get me out of a. Just remember that aggressive poker is winning poker. <laughs> Thanks, okay, Doyle. That's Doyle's thing in honor of his retiring. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just feel like when I'm in a hand, I want to be in control and I want to be acting last. And if I limp, I'm not in control, and I have two behind me that will possibly get in, and I will not act last. So. You know, that's the only thing, and then you also get these raggedy aces that come in, and they'll hit two pair on your ace, and you get a good kicker. And then so, anyway, well, I think we've talked enough about it. I think we're we're in agreement <laughs> that you could go either way on this. I just choose to be a little more aggressive than you on this one, and let's see what happens. All right, Our here says the standard raise has been about three x at the table, but with two limpers, I figure it would be smarter to raise more. So he's going on the Chris train. That's all right. Woo woo. Good train, just different track. Woo woo. Uh, now, before I say what I did, the table has been very loose. All caps. Uh, the majority of players trying to make crazy hands to win the high hand. 
I've kept up a tight image. I've only played one hand previously. I had pocket queens raised, and the short stack pushed for 135, and I won. So I'm thinking a bigger raise within the field. Because of this, I make it 28 to go, uh, hoping this will get the button to fold, and even if a limper or two calls, I have position and can reevaluate on the flop of need be. Look, he kind of melded our, our two personalities, right? I think so. You went with your aggressive raising, and then he went with 28, which is my annoying bet style. <laughs> Yeah, he stacked up the weights. Should have got twenty nine and put you know put that extra one yeah. out there, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, the button folds, but the small blind and big blind call, and the two limpers surprisingly folded. Weird. That's weird. Uh, very weird, right? Uh, we go to a flop uh, with about ninety or so in the pot, and the flop is the jack of hearts, tray of diamonds, nine of clubs, and a small blind bets thirty five into the pot. The big blind folds. And uh, before you uh, weigh in here, uh, he says the small blind is a younger person, probably in his early 20s, who has definitely styled himself after Gus Hansen's play, because I've seen him call down several bets on the flop and turn with only middle pair before luckily improving to two pair to take it down the river. He sits with over 900. So with top pair and the best kicker, I don't put him on any draws, really, and think he probably has something like 10s. At best, a hand like ace-king or ace-queen who thinks I probably didn't hit and he can take it down now. This feels like one of those donk bets where somebody takes control of the hand and you're completely out of position you see a flop and you just bet into them. They call it a donk bet. Um, And it it, it mostly is because a lot of times these people are just thinking, hey, you know what, I'll I'll, I'll weigh in here and think, this guy usually, you know, usually you miss two out of three flops. I'm going to say this guy missed. I have a small blind special that was worth a call and now I'm going to bet into him and put pressure on him. But we've hit top pair, top kicker. And I don't believe if this guy had a set, he'd bet into us. I don't believe he's playing jack nine or jack three or three nine. And if he had a pair bigger than jacks, he probably would have re-raised being out of position. So I'm going to make it a pretty big bet here now. I'm I'm going to want to take this down before something like queen ten is out there that this guy had. You know, and now he's looking for an open ender or something. So I want to make him pay. I, I think I can definitely raise here, probably make it like 120 or something. You know, try to get this guy out. Uh, it's a weird move. You said he had a lot of money in front of him, so he could be one of those guys that just plays a lot of hands, and you know, or he's crafty. I don't know. But at this point, it's just hard to believe that if he hit his set, he'd bet into us. And at this point, um, I don't know. It just seems odd. Odd bet there from somebody out of position in a 2-5 game. So I'm going to make it a big, big raise here, I think. I'll make it like 120 or something. Yeah, I can't imagine us being behind right now, at least from this guy. Um, you know, we had the – with the um, – uh, what, did the big blind do something here? Do we know? No, the big blind folded, I think you said. Oh, I think so you yeah. bet 35 and the big blind folded, you said. All right, but anyhow. Um, all right, so, you know, not to reiterate everything you said, but, yeah, set would not bet here. There's nothing really to worry about here. Kind of a weird straight draw over there, but that's about it. It's a rainbow flop. Um, and uh, with the raise, it, it's really hard to put anybody on jack tray or jack nine, maybe suited jack nine, but that's still difficult. Um so I, you know, I can't imagine what's beating us right now. And you're right. And so now we've we've missed our chance at uh, flush and straight for the most part here. Um, so now we got to win it the old-fashioned way, which is 
you know, beat somebody up over it, right? So yeah, yeah. it's, it's got to got to be a raise now. And you said what, a hundred or more than? 100? I was gonna, I said like one twenty because it's already thirty five. Three X is one hundred and five. So yeah, nice I just feel like it's yeah. Small bit to with, so yeah. And so, anybody who anybody who's called a raise pre flop with a hand that hit those cards probably you know needs a a bigger bet to get them out. You know what I mean? If this guy somehow hit the three or something, and he called a preflop raise to 28, unless he has something like tens, I can't imagine this guy having a hand that was worthy of the calling that raise and not, you know what I mean? So I feel like, and then betting out. So I feel like we have the best hand, but we got to make it big enough to get this guy to cringe and say, all right, I took my shot, I'm folding. So I don't know, like 120? Yeah, uh, I was going to say 100, but in honor of now that I know Justin likes to make the $28 bets, I would say 104. <laughs> but I, I don't mind the 120 either. I, yeah, I do think we, we need to make a, a significant bet here. So uh, any, anything in that range is probably good. All whites, too. Put out 104 whites. <laughs> I would ask the, the chip runner to cash me, <laughs> cash me up rather than that, right? Color me, color me up. Cash me outside. How about that? <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're here to decide the raise and makes it a hundred to go. Oh, you left four dollars of value there, oh, Justin. Oh man! Uh, he looks at me and smiles before making the call. He says, "Was I wrong with my read? I still don't know, but I don't put him on a higher pocket pair. A set, maybe? I don't know. Uh, you know, I guess I did did not uh, account for the higher pocket pair. But how does he not re-raise being on a position? That would be a difficult not re-raise, especially yeah. at small blind, right? All those people in that hand and out of small blind, yeah, I don't see a bigger pair doing that to us. Okay. Uh, with uh, under uh, with just under three hundred in the pot, the turn is the nine of hearts. So our board is jack of hearts, trade of diamonds, nine of clubs, nine of hearts, and small blind checks this time. <laughs> Interesting. So basically, that didn't change anything for us unless this guy has a nine. So if we don't believe he has a nine, we have to bet big. If we because I think this guy could be drawing um, or looking to suck out. But um, if he does have a nine in your mind, then you just check behind. So you have to really make that decision at the table. Um, if he does have the nine, I'm just going to check behind in my mind. If I think that it looked like that nine made him happy, because apparently he smiles when he bets and calls bets and things like that. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be weary of this, but... I might check behind. I might just check behind and see if he checks again and save some money. Um, or if I'm convinced I have the best hand, he's drawing, and he doesn't have a nine, I'm going to bet pretty big and just try to take it down now. So it really is a feel thing here. I, it's hard to be just give advice. I have to be at the table and see how this guy reacted to that nine. Um, so I, I, it's hard to give my opinion. If I think he hit the nine, I'm checking and then hoping he makes a reasonable bet on the end that I could show down. Um, and if if I don't think he hit the nine, I want to bet because I feel like this guy is is got something here that could be precarious on this river without him paying for it. So I don't know. Um, let's, this let's, is a situation that I would love to put in the advanced poker training uh, simulator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Run a bunch of times because I could go a couple different ways with this. I I think uh, as you as you said it from the beginning, the nine doesn't change anything unless he is just so loose that he was playing that middle pair and thought that was a a good small bet into a bigger pot to make with it, which doesn't make sense. But 
Um, so if that's the case, the, there's no reason that we shouldn't bet here because we still believe we have the best hand. Um, the other side of me says that we could check, not not because I'm worried that we're behind, but if that could induce a bet from him on the river that we wouldn't get if we bet now, right? If we right. bet that he doesn't have anything and he falls, we lost value. If we check here and let him bet into us on the river, and now we got a chance to get some money out of him. Uh, obviously, the danger there is now it's a free card, and you know he could pick up anything there to 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 beat us on the river, and you know now the trap that we set for him becomes the trap for us, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, I honestly don't know which is the best way. That's why I think it, it would be good to run some simulations and see how often it works out that way. But um, but I can't be non-committal here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and bet here again. I'm gonna bet. You know, it's at three under the pot. I'll bet maybe like one fifty half the pot here. Yeah, if I was gonna bet, that's what I'd bet. Um, again, it just gets back to knowing people and knowing reactions and watching him when that nine peels off and stuff. Uh, he could have very well called a raise with eight nine of you know, spades or something, uh, and then hit the nine and bet out thinking this guy probably has ace king or ace queen. He missed. I'm gonna take it down now and get this the big blind to fold as well. And then now another nine comes. Now he checks because he's like, oh, I got three of a kind. I got a stranglehold in this. Let this guy bet me again because he raised me last street. You know, so the nine is possible. And it's just a weird hand now. It just got weird for some reason. It's so bizarre yeah. how every poker hand can make you think differently about people and the game. But in this case right here, it got really weird. So if I was going to bet, it would be what you said, 150. Um, in a weird way, I just feel like this guy is is doing something totally bizarre. He's going to turn over two cards. You're going to be like, what? So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he has. Uh, he could have the same hand as us, too. I don't know. Um, I think I'm going to check behind. And then just because it's a cautious uh, move on my part, and I and I, I sometimes I tend to be cautious when boards pair and, and people act funny. Like if this guy wanted to bet into me, and then a nine comes, and now he checks because I raised. Is he... Looking to check raise me because now he's hit three nines. You know, it, it's a. I'm gonna just check. I'm gonna check. I know it's one sounds weird because I was aggressive early and you were the weaker one. Now you're aggressive <laughs> and I'm weakening up. But I feel like I want to control the pot a little bit here. And the river peels off some scare card and he bets a decent amount. You know, I've got at the time top pair, top kicker with you know basically two pair. I feel like I might be able to make a nice call there instead of putting in a bunch of money here and watching him shove on me now. Or putting a bunch of money here, he calls again, then checks, or then bets into me. Now I have to pay even more to see these two weird cards. So yeah, there, there is a risk in betting and getting shoved on and having to make a decision. Yeah, just, yeah. Know. And then all we have is basically our pair. I know you have two pair, but really right. that's not the same thing as having the real two pair. So I'm going to check here, and we'll see what happens. Uh, all right, our hero says, uh, I'm not one for letting someone see a free card, and I really don't think he's got an eight. I decided to bet again, this time 150, thinking he'll fold. We'll find out who's smarter, you or me now. Got an eight. Uh, what does that mean? Oh, what? got a nine? Did you say eight? Hmm? You said he's got he an got eight. Oh, okay. So he didn't even got a nine. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I just if I don't think he had a nine, I'm betting. So I agree with the 150 you said. So he, what did he bet? Uh, one one fifty. Yep. One fifty. Okay. Uh, he says, "To my surprise, he quickly calls." Yeah. He says, "Does he have the nine? Now I'm genuinely nervous. Could he have the same hand as me? Maybe he has queens. I have to think aces or kings would re-raise me pre-flop. My thinking is now that if I don't improve on the river and he checks, I'll have to check behind and hope my top pair is good. Um, that sounds like probably what I would do, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. So. <laughs> right. 
With squiggly 600 in the pot and with about 250 behind, the river is the queen of diamonds. It's our final board. Jack of hearts, tray of diamonds, nine of clubs, nine of hearts, queen of hearts. Um, queen of diamonds. Oh, queen of diamonds. Queen yeah, of diamonds. Queen of diamonds. Uh, my heart sinks because a straight got there and the queen has me beat two. Surprisingly, a small blind checks immediately. I look at him for a minute and play the hand in my head. Could he have ace queen? That would make sense. Maybe for a flop uh, call, but to call me on the turn, something isn't adding up. Yeah, ace ace queen doesn't make sense there. I mean, it does make sense maybe in preflop raise. Doesn't make sense to betting into you with nothing on an ace queen and then getting raised and then him calling again. So ace queen doesn't make sense. Um, some sort of queen could make sense here now, but why would he check now? Maybe because he thinks you have the nines. I don't know. Um, but I'm glad, glad to check behind here. I, I am not putting any more money in this pot. Yeah. Um, you know, this might be a weak weakness in my game where uh, you know I I feel like I'm good here and but I I'm content with the size of the pot so I check behind to minimize my exposure right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess of all the leaks in my game, this is the one I'm not moving quickly enough to <laughs> fix because I am I'm looking at 600 of the pot. Um, the our opponent's play has befuddled me. And I, I I don't see any need to. I mean, the, the only bet we could put here is to shove, right? Right. And, you know, maybe I'm giving away two hundred fifty dollars of value by that, but you know, we have a single pair, as you mentioned, and you know, the queen is there. It's just just too much danger there. This is an easy check for me. And well, here's hopefully- a here's a good uh, here's a good hand he could have. Queen Jack. Let's say he has a suited Queen Jack. He sees your raise. He's like, you know what? I got 900 in front of me. I have a chance to take this guy's money. Queen Jack suited is a favorite hand of a lot of people. Plus, it's yeah. uh, high hand day or something. He was saying they were playing loose because there was high hands to make. So the guy has Queen Jack suited. Um, and then he hits the Jack on the flop. And he's like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to bet out. I'm not going to win a high hand now. So let me bet out and take this down and see if this guy really has you know, got anything. So he bets out to get this the big blind out. We make it a hundred, some hundred, I guess it was. He made it, so he's like, you know, what? I got top pair with a queen, so backdoor straight draw, backdoor flush draw, whatever it is. Then the turn comes, another nine. So now he's got queens and nines, or jacks and nines. I mean, with a queen, and now he's rivered a queen. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So now you're beat. So there's another reason not to bet. If you can come up with the hands that make sense, that are plausible to you, that beat you at the end, unless it's a hand that's just tenuous, and you can make some grand gesture that your story told. That makes it look like you have jacks full or three nines or something. I'm inclined to check here. So, and I think there is a hand there that's plausible that beats you. So, even like I said, even eight nine is plausible. I just don't know if he gives up that river there to bet. I think he may bet out on the river with three nines. But um, I'm going to check behind. No, absolutely. That's what I got to do. So let's see what happens. Um, uh, something isn't adding up. He says. So I decide I'll just check and hope my hand is good. His opponent says, if you got a nine, you got it, and turns over the queen of hearts, eight of hearts. Oh, queen eight. Queen eight. Yeah, he says, I muck my hand as he proceeds to explain the turn made him stay in because he thought he'd be able to make a straight flush. Yeah, it's as dumb <laughs> as it sounds. Uh, I just sigh and ask the waitress to bring me a scotch to take some of the pain away. Uh. I didn't have an entirely ter- terrible session as I worked my way back up to just under even before finishing the trip. Not the worst honeymoon story, I'm sure, but also not the way I want to start the new year and my marriage. Um, wow. Jeez, queen eight. So, okay, so pre-flop, he decides out of position, uh, at the worst position possible, 
to call twenty six more dollars. Yeah, twenty eight because right? he had two in right. So yep. he was small blind. So twenty six dollars. Then he sees a flop of Jack one heart, three nine tray nine. So he's got a gutter for a straight backdoor hearts that aren't even the nut hearts and backdoor straight flush hearts because he wants to win. What was it, five hundred bucks or something like that? You said yeah, five hundred bucks. <laughs> He's wow. willing to wager more than five hundred in the pot. Wow, more than five hundred zone chips in the pot to win the same number of chips back, and then another five hundred. I mean, this is just kind of insane. And it kind of gets back to what uh, kind of the problem that you know. I know we we bash the bad beat jackpot, and we say we prefer that 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 rooms do these kind of promotions, and I, I, I stand by that. But it's also they do affect the play. Um, and, and as Justin said, he needed to realize that when he sat down. So it, that's not a bad thing that the play has affected a uh, change. You just got to adjust with it. Um, but it, people just get excited. It's almost like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I spend the uh, 10 bucks on the Powerball whenever it gets big. And I know it's, it's ridiculous and I'm throwing that money away. Right. So right. I'm not criticizing anybody for saying this, but. There's such a desire in our society in these games to win something, right? It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. You know, you go to like we'll go to the the baseball game tonight, and when they do the Wawa T-shirt launch, people will trample kids out of the way to get this three dollar T-shirt, right? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> because they want to get it, right? And it doesn't make any. There's there's nothing that makes sense about any of that. Um. So in this case, you know, if 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 it was like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that okay maybe it makes a little bit more sense to be this loose with the queen eight of hearts that's a lot of work to get a straight flush with that hand pre-flopper yeah yep. it's a triple gutter and then then you hit one piece of it and now you're emboldened all right i only need two more to come you know and then you stick into it and then and then the turn makes absolutely no sense now it's well i guess it did i'm sorry it's a heart so yeah but still so, 150 yeah, for, for a one, one outer, card. basically, single to win that money. Card. Yeah, yeah, it hit. Well, not a, a single card hit the high hand. Hit the high hand, and he might not even have the nut, the best flushing hand either. He doesn't know what we have. You know, what I mean, he doesn't know we don't have ace ten of hearts. He doesn't know. Oh man, just, just but, but here's here's the final takeaway because people get upset about this. I can't believe you play that way. You want people to play this way. That's why I like going to play cash during these kind of promotions because you know players are playing irrationally yeah. just to win this thing. And so, yeah, it kind of sucks when Queen Eight of Hearts beats you in this scenario, but you have to know that that's a possibility now. So more often than not, those hands are not going to hit and you're going to get money because people are playing way too many hands. Um, so you got to keep that in mind. With that. Yeah. Well, Justin, if it makes you feel any better, you were on the show this week. Scott mispronounced your name. And... Uh, <laughs> You know how it goes. So, But you have a happy marriage. That's what matters most. I'm Chris Casenza. <laughs> and I'm Scott Loggs. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise... Send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. <laughs>